Welcome into another edition of the Doug Russell Podcast. Glad to have you along for the ride. Uh, we've got a very easily digestible podcast today. Uh, we're going to be talking some market basketball with our friend Andre Greska from Paint Touches. Had a chance to catch up with Andre on my show on 97.3 of the game called The Game Night, which is on Monday through Friday starting at 6 o'clock, except on Thursdays. We're on at 7 because of the Paul Chris show, but uh, starting at 6 o'clock weekdays on 97.3 of the game. And it started with me just kind of scrolling through Twitter on Thursday, and I came across something that I didn't expect to see. Doug Russell back with you on this Thursday night, September 30th. It is the game night. So I see this tweet earlier today from the, and I had to check that it was the verified account because I didn't believe it at first. But yes, it is the verified Marquette basketball account. And said, back on the court in Caston Gym Thursday afternoon and looking forward to meeting the, well, the hashtag MUBD Nation Friday night at 7 for Marquette Madness. Admission is freaking open to everyone. Like this Friday? Like tomorrow? Uh, I guess basketball season really is here. Joining us on the program right now, he's uh, joined me on my podcast a couple of times, and uh, you can read his great stuff at uh, one of the, I mean, there's several great Marquette blogs that are out there, but Pain Touches certainly is one of them. Andre Greska joining us here on the game night. Andre, I'm right. That's that's tomorrow night, right? That yeah. basketball season is really here. It is here. The, the funny part is they just had their first official practice. Obviously, they've been on the court all summer. Um, the new NCAA regulations allow more hands-on contact during the summer and the off, off period. But their first official, official like NCAA-sanctioned practice was this week. And, this, yes, Marquette Menace is tomorrow night um, kicking off the, the new era of uh, Marquette basketball. All right. Uh, I say this with love, admiration, and respect for all of my friends over on the Marquette campus and within the men's basketball program. Who the hell are these guys? <laughs> Trust me, there's going to be a lot of fans in Pfizer that are going to say the same thing. Um, I think um, I was going over during the summer. Like, If you can name the entire roster on Marquette, you are you have way too much time on your hands because I, I don't think it's possible with the amount of turnover um, to kind of be on top of that many new faces and um, it, yeah it, it's a very very different feel uh, I think there's eight new new players there's only three returning only two of those are playing Justin Lewis and um, Elliot uh, so yeah it's it's a completely different feel obviously the coaching staff has all turned over um the the most of the roster has turned over so uh there is almost no continuity from what we saw on the court last year to what we will see this year name tags name tags that's going to be very important i think <laughs> yeah no i was just looking up how to pronounce some of the names because i i know i've read about them but i i haven't really heard them on broadcast and stuff like that so you got some some uh definitely uh, difficult ones to pronounce but it's going to be difficult for everyone cuz there's, there's no real continuity there oso igadaro am i close yeah, no, that was that was actually very well done. Um, but Kirkwath, um, Omax is for short. That's what I'm going to be calling him on, on Twitter. But um, yeah, there's there's uh, Amarian Ellis. That's a relatively easy one. But um, then you have the Kian Itijere. So again, this is someone coming from someone that spends way too much time following all things Marquette. So for 95 percent of fans, I'm going to assume that it's going to be like who. Yeah, well, we know how to pronounce the head coach's name. That's Shaka Smart. Yeah. And he's coming back to Wisconsin. It's one one of the great storylines of the offseason. And you and I first spoke the night that, or the afternoon, 
I suppose, when Steve Ojahowski was fired. What has been the imprint that you've been able to see, I guess, besides just all of the new faces in the program that's you know we're going to see on the, the, the court at Pfizer form? What kind of an impact has he made on Marquette University and the basketball community? Well, it's been really interesting because I remember when we did talk after Shaka was hired, um, one of the things that we said was, hey, can they connect to um, the previous iterations of Marquette? And he's done a lot of that. But the other thing that I think is, is kind of been really, really clear, and you don't have to really dig too deep to kind of see it, is that um, the roster makeup has gone from one that's specialized and kind of um, efficient in terms of offense that we saw under Wojo with a lot of the Housers, we saw with Marcus Howard, a lot of high potent office of offense, um, but less athleticism and less obviously defensive oriented. Um, the way he has been recruiting, and uh, again, if you follow Marquette at all, even if you follow them very closely, the amount of offers and scholarships and visits and everything that's been going on this summer has just been overwhelming. Um, but there's been a really, really clear. Uh, vision as to what he wants Marquette to be. And um, when we talked again in, in April, um, might have been late March, I said there's an opportunity. Um, he's a very good recruiter, well-known commodity. It could be a, a pretty quick turnover in terms of when we see a successful product on the court. Uh, but the way things have worked out, whether by intent, by design or not, um, it seems like what he is building is a team that is young, a team that is has talent but isn't quite five star, four stars all over the court, but some but a, a roster that can really grow together and kind of build off of each other in the next two, three years rather than some some kind of offensive high powered juggernaut or some uh, one and dones like he did have at Texas that won't stick around to see multiple seasons. So we are probably seeing a return to a lot of what we saw under Buzz Williams and Tom Crean with switchables. Um, one of the, the, uh, the things they have on the on casting gym where they practice is plus 32. Um, and then on Twitter, Anonymous Eagle had asked, and the associate athletic director, Mike Brooker, said that's for deflections. And if you follow Marquette at all, you know that was one of Tom Green's biggest things. He always counted deflections. That was one of the biggest telltale signs of an active defense. Um, so, yeah, I think while there hasn't been a ton of kind of interaction just yet, and we haven't seen any anything other than some clips off practice, the way he has been recruiting, the type of player, and the kind of communication that has come out shows that this is going to be more of an athletic team, a team that might not be uh, a ready-made product on day one or even year one, but a team that can kind of fit into what we have seen for long stretches of time between 2000 and 2014. Yeah, I think Greg Elliott is the uh, one that Marquette fans probably will be the most familiar with, but maybe it's going to be a kid from Brookfield, David Joplin, who originally was going to play for Shaka Smart at Texas and then decided to, you know what, maybe staying home isn't the worst thing in the world because obviously, uh, as you were talking about, Shaka Smart known as a strong recruiter and there's just that familiarity there, but I thought that yeah. was a that was a coup to, uh, you know, this, there was a, a bunch of different programs that were after Joplin when he decommitted from Texas, and then he lands right yep. where he's probably, I think, supposed to land at Marquette. <laughs> it makes a ton of sense. Um, he's from the area. His parents wanted him to stay local, but um, I, I don't believe he ever received an offer, at least an early offer from Marquette. And that is one of the things that has been kind of 
been coming to light is that the way uh, Shaka and his assistants have been recruiting of late is that they get in on guys early and early before the, the recruiting, before they get stars, before they're being talked about on the AAU circuit. I'm talking about early, early. So they, they were on David Joplin before he, he was kind of a known commodity outside of uh, the Milwaukee area. And that, that served them well because then the, that, was able to translate, hey, we wanted you when we were at Texas. We still want you here. It makes a lot of sense for you. So, yeah, he's someone that, that will have a huge opportunity to kind of impact the court. Um, obviously, Elliot, uh, Greg Elliott is going to have a huge role as opposed to some of the, the minor roles he's played in the last couple of years, um, health willing. But then Justin Lewis, I think, is the, is the name that everyone should familiarize themselves with because he had a good freshman season. He had a great start, a non-conference season. Obviously, he had the tip in against Wisconsin. Um, just tremendous rebounder, big athlete, a decent shooter, uh, and do, do a little bit of everything. Um, but he had an injury. His play kind of dropped off. I think um, in the first eight games, he was 6 of 10 from three. He was 2 for 22 in the, the rest of the season. So he he's not really getting a ton of national attention in terms of someone like Dawson Garcia, who ended up in North Carolina. Uh, but in some of the conversations that I've had and looking at some of the ESPN um, mock drafts, he is the better projected recruit um, in terms of NBA skill. And he is someone that has has impressed the coaches early on in terms of they knew he was going to be good, but once you see them firsthand, it's like, oh, he is good. Um, so, yeah, it, of the names people know, of the names people might be familiar with, Justin Lewis is someone that uh, would pop out, I think, a little more than he has in the past, and not just because they've seen his name before. Pain touches Andre Greska joining us here talking some market basketball here on the game night. Have you ever seen so many freshmen that are probably going to get significant playing time on one roster? <laughs> Not in any Marquette team that I can remember. Uh, no, because uh, a lot of the, the buzz years, um, there were newer faces, but it was a lot of Juco or, or transfers in. But uh, yeah, I think um, there's five freshmen and they all have a very few, like a very good shot at seeing significant time. Obviously that's not going to happen. Not all five are going to see, um, 20 plus minutes, but there are openings. Like there's, there's not, maybe the power forward spot is the only one that I might say is like, okay, that, that might be a little bit, um, lockdown between Omax and Justin Lewis, but, um, the backcourt, there's just so many minutes to be had. So between Amari and Ellis, between Cam Jones, between Stevie Mitchell, uh, the one that steps up is, is going to see really, really good playing time because outside of Daryl Marcel, who's a transfer from Maryland, very good defensive player, um, the Big Ten's reigning defensive player of the year. Um, I think he came to Marquette um, to try to play a little bit more point guard, but that's not really his, his skill set. So there's going to be a lot of opportunity for those three guards. And, and yeah, like we've mentioned Joplin um, and Key and Tijere. So, there's no one here that project like we, we there's usually some player on the roster that's like all right he should take a red shirt whether he does or not because his his playing time is pretty limited in terms of how the roster is set up and that's not the case there there is an opening there if you play your butt off if you show out in practice um you're going to get minutes uh, whether you're a freshman sophomore or super senior this is a young team as we've been talking about this is a new team full of new faces including obviously uh, on the uh, at the front of the bench with Chaka Smart it takes, you know, at least a few games to get your college basketball sea legs underneath you and you're playing in the Big East. What are, in, in your mind, what is a realistic expectation for the Marquette Golden Eagles this season? 
I think the NIT would be a top end goal. And I was like, what? What NIT? That, that means that's usually a bad year. But um, that's not to downplay expectations or like set the bar way too low. Um, it's just there are so many questions right now on this team that yes, there's potential. Um, there's talent all over the court. Um, there's there's obviously uh, opportunity for growth. But if I were to lay down like the bar in terms of what would be what would be acceptable and what would be like a top end. I think the best case um, Homer scenario for my blue and white, my blue and gold classes would be to be battling for a bubble bid. If, if Shaka Smart can get this team to be a, a fringe NCAA tournament contender, that's going to be one of the best coaching jobs since 2010 when Buzz Williams took a group of nobodies um, to a, a single-digit seed in the NCAA tournament. That like that level of, of impressiveness. I, but I, I don't think that's realistic. Um, so what I would say would be a realistic goal is to make the NIT because um, right now Marquette is projected to be in the lower quarter of um, the base. Obviously, we're still it's still early on. A lot of things can change. Rosters are still fluid. Injuries happen. Uh, but they're going to be probably around the ninth or 10th spot when the, the Big East coaches um, come out in a media day in, in two weeks from now in October, in the middle of October. So to get to the NIT, they'll probably have to overperform that a little bit, get to the middle of the Big East, probably seventh, um, sixth, seventh, or eighth place. So I think that's a more feasible goal for this team. Um, but yeah, that's, it, it is a little bit different to kind of set the expectations at that point compared to where um, they've been. And I could tell um, there, there's a segment of the families like, hey, well, we we were already better than this. Why, what, why we do this change? And I think that's where the trajectory comes in, where you're starting at a place that's lower than you're used to because there's all this roster turmoil, because there's a new culture, there's a new style of play, there's a new way to, to, to go about your business. So I don't think a uh, losing season is going to cause any consternation in um, Al McGuire Center for, for anyone at this point in time. I think it's sort of expected, um, but what I think Shockout and company will be measured in is how is the team playing in February versus how they're playing in November. Main touch is Andre Greska joining us for just a couple more moments here on the game night on 97.3, the game. I want you to put your blue and gold glasses on one more time because we're going to go off the court for a second. And I didn't go to Marquette. Um, so, I and look, I've, I've respected Marquette my entire life. The first team that I ever rooted for in college basketball was the Doc Rivers Marquette Warriors. But you're... You know, you lived this. So here's that. And I'm framing the question this way specifically, because when I saw the tweet that Tom Crean is going into the Marquette Athletic Hall of Fame, I wondered because I've been there at the Bradley Center and then at Pfizer Forum when his face pops up on the Jumbotron during that, you know, when they're going through some of the great teams in Marquette history and, you know, that 2003 Final Four team and Tom Crean's face popped up. And for years, that was it was it wasn't received well we'll put it that way um, <laughs> well, I, I was there 2009 as a freshman and that was obviously the year after he left and those feelings were very raw um there was a lot of 
angst, but not just within the fan base, obviously the students. So yes, his, his face would pop up on the on the scoreboard, and that'd be the loudest reaction uh-huh. you get, and it'd be a negative one. Yes. Um, so uh, that having been said, having laid the groundwork for this question, when you saw the same tweet that I did that Tom Crean is going into the Marquette Athletic Hall of Fame, now you know several years removed from that, and they say that time heal, heals all wounds. Uh, how do you feel about Tom Crean being honored in such a manner? I think it's. I think it makes sense. Um, one enough time has passed where kind of the the rawness of it has, has gone away, and I think where people um, and, that, and not just people, obviously these decisions are being made by the uh, administration, both in the athletic department and and um, within uh, Zilber Hall. So th- there has been this connection that has been rebuilt. So in the 100th anniversary, I think it was 2017. Um, that Marquette put on for the uh, 100, 100 years of Marquette basketball. He was a prominent person. He came back, and that really did a lot to kind of connect some of those missing pieces um, with it from when he left. I think that's one thing. So he made the conscious effort to come when someone like Buzz Williams did not. Um, and behind the scenes, too, he had he he's done a lot of – I don't want to say mea culpa. I haven't been there. I don't know exactly how those conversations went. But he has said, hey – um, I maybe didn't do this the right way. Um, I, I may not know what I have had. So he has made it known that he truly respects Marquette, the institution, Marquette, the academic, and Marquette, the basketball program. So having said all that, I think the biggest thing, too, is that he's no longer at Indiana. When you see your ex-girlfriend <laughs> kind of go somewhere else, and you're like, okay, she, she didn't do better than me. He didn't do better than me. Yeah. Um, and not to say that that's like the whole reason, but that it always helps. Like, hey, let's calm it. Like, we're, we're fine. We liked each other. We don't have to be enemies anymore, sort of thing. All right. Fair enough. That's kind of what I thought. I, I have heard that Tom Crean's mellowed over the years as well because – Oh yeah. yeah, and I, I've had very. I mean, we. I don't know if you watch any TBT during the summer, but he's usually on because obviously a lot of his players are playing. But he's um, he speaks very highly of Marquette, of, of the administration, of the players, of the opportunity he was given. Um, so I, I think those meant those senses have been mended. Um, and again. Time has passed, so everyone can kind of see a little bit more clearly. All right, very good. Andre Greska from Paint Touches. You can find him on Twitter, uh, very simply, at Paint Touches. You can go to PaintTouches.com for all of their great Marquette uh, coverage that they do during the season and in the offseason, when warranted as well. But again, Marquette Madness, believe it or not, at the Al McGuire Center coming up tomorrow. Andre, great catching up with you. Let's do this again soon as the season gets a little bit closer. Yeah, definitely. Can't wait. Andre Greska from Paint Touches. Again, you can find him on Twitter at Paint Touches or go to PaintTouches.com. That'll do it for this edition of the Doug Russell Podcast. We'll see you next time.